0: But deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you for who you are and thank you for what you've done in our lives. We are grateful for this opportunity to gather together before your word and we pray that you would now teach us to pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Christ's name, amen. Good afternoon. So today I'll be preaching on verse 11 of Matthew 6. Give us this day our daily bread. So this verse is part two of a series on the Lord's Prayer. And when I started to reflect on this verse, what struck me was how ordinary it is. So if you were here last week, you would have heard from Lloyd. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. This verse can take you on crazy theological rabbit trails. Fortunately, Lloyd avoided these for the most part. But if we gave him more time, I'm sure he would have delved far into the intersection of our heavenly and earthly realms and probed deep eschatological mysteries. Next week, you'll hear from Gordy. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This verse can take you into the multiple wills of God, the origins of sin, good, and evil, and other topics pertaining to our human nature and universal morality. And once Gordy has unraveled all of this for us, who knows where he'll go? So it's very fitting that as the engineer, sandwiched between two philosophy majors, John has assigned me the simplest and most practical of these three verses give us this day our daily bread. Seven words, none of them longer than five letters, at least in the English. So I've thought about it and decided that I'm not gonna take it personally. In fact, I appreciate John's thoughtfulness in allowing me to be the meat of this sandwich. And in order to maintain consistency in the series, like Lloyd, I'm also gonna start off with something interesting about myself. And that is that I often begin the day with a bowl of mini-wheats. The last year or so, I've tried to make a habit of praying the Lord's Prayer while I eat my mini-wheats after I've read some scripture. And I've often wondered why I pray for that which is already in my bowl. Of course, this is a classic first world problem. However, despite the abundant ways the Lord blesses us, our culture and our Western church are afflicted with an illness, a great amount of anxiety towards the meeting of our physical needs. We experience much stress in the areas of education, jobs, health, safety, finances. This is no doubt accelerated by the uncertainty of our future as we consider global oil, Brexit, political turmoil, terrorism, American politics, and Pokemon Go. As simple as this verse is, it's very applicable to our lives today, so let's begin. I've divided this verse into three sections, and number one is the first two words, give us. We begin with the character of God, the great giver, the self-sufficient source, the perpetual provider. The Father's gifts are given to all, food, drink, family, friends, beautiful mountains and oceans, life itself. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing, that's Psalm 145. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust, Matthew 5. All things come of thee and of thine own have we given thee. That's from our liturgy. It's ironic that even the breath that the atheist uses to deny the existence of God is a gift from heaven. Beyond these common gifts, God gives special gifts to his people, his children. Salvation through Christ, adoption into his royal family, his Holy Spirit, the Bible, these are all gifts. Even discipline is a gift from God that we should praise him for. As God's children, we have a mind-boggling level of access to our Holy Father. Tim Keller says it well. The only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. We have that kind of access. It's easy for us to forget the magnitude and the scope of God's giving. As I eat my mini weeds each morning, I forget God's active control over our universe, preventing the galaxies and stars and planets and our planet Earth from spinning out of control. I forget God's hand over the weather and every other step of the process that somehow gets cereal From a farmer's field into the box that sits in my cupboard. I overlook God's attention to each of my heartbeats, maintaining my life and protecting me from the million possible occurrences within my body that could kill me at any moment. We are sustained by God at the deepest level, not a hair from our heads falls without his permission. Remembering, knowing and understanding this doctrine of the providence of God is key to knowing how to pray. Let's move on to section two, our daily bread. When Jesus talks about bread, he is talking about the simple food that keeps us going. And things haven't changed. Bread is still a major staple despite its many varieties. English muffins, bagels, brown frosted mini-wheats. But bread goes much further than this. It refers to our needs of all kinds, starting with our physical needs. It's hard for us to understand this passage the way that it was understood in Jesus' day and age, Because we live in such a wealthy society, we can name plenty of physical needs, but many of us haven't experienced life without them. Clothing to wear, a bed to sleep on, a roof over our heads. Most of us have enough food in our houses to survive the first five waves of the next zombie apocalypse, or maybe even to host the Christchurch Young Adults Dinner. We often take these things for granted until we go without. Last summer, I was in Australia, and I was on a road trip, and we were camping every night. And... I realized something that I took for granted and that was electricity. Being unable to plug in our phones at night, uh, we weren't able to navigate as well, uh, look up campsites, listen to podcasts. And one Sunday we pulled a classic university student maneuver. We visited a church and before the service started we brought all our electronics into the church and plugged them all in. Our phones, our computers, our battery packs, our Kindles. And uh, as we left we picked them all up. It was a powerful service. And this story alone It shows how fortunate I am, how spoiled I am, that what comes to mind when I think of unmet needs is my phone being dead while I'm vacationing in Australia. But the reality is that riches are deceiving. Like the man in Jesus' parable who builds bigger barns to store up his excess harvest, our lives can be demanded from us any minute. No financial plan, investment guru, or RRSP can truly protect us in this chaotic world, ruled only by the sovereign will of the Lord. Who giveth and taketh away. Proverbs 30 says it well. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Or in the NIV, give me only my daily bread. And when Jesus commands us to ask for daily bread, we're to ask for necessities, not luxuries. Bread is not fancy, but it works. The Lord sometimes graciously blesses us with luxuries, and we enjoy them when we receive them and glorify God but it's the necessities that God promises to provide when we ask for them. We've now looked at physical needs, but there's a spiritual dimension to this as well. The Father gives us our physical daily bread, but he also gives us his Son, the bread of life. And Jesus says much about spiritual bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. These teachings of Jesus demonstrate the exclusivity of Christ and of the gospel. Jesus is the only one who can save us, the only one who can sustain us, the only one who can satisfy our spiritual needs. Jesus is the bread of life. There are no substitute carbs. There are no gluten-free alternatives. Jesus is the bread of life. And we have these two breads, physical and spiritual, and we need both. And in some ways, this verse is a retort against the Gnostics, a safeguard against platonic dualism, a reminder that God is not just the God of the supernatural, but also the God of the ordinary. The last thing I want to point out about our daily bread is its corporate aspect. It's not my bread. In the same way as it is not, give me, give us this day our daily bread. It's our collective needs. And Acts 2 talks about this. The believers were together and had all things in common, selling their possessions and giving to all who had need. They bore each other's burdens, they shared in each other's needs. When one of them rejoiced, they all rejoiced. When one of them hurt, they all hurt. The believers looked to their God, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. They look to him for all their collective needs. So we've looked at give us, the providence of God. We've looked at our daily bread, our collective needs. Lastly, section three, I can feel the suspense rising, is is this day. This day is where God's providence intersects with our needs. God's mercies are new every morning. And there's two helpful biblical stories for us to look at to explain this. First is the Israelites in Exodus. So these guys, we know their story well. God's rescued them in a very dramatic way from Egypt. We see God's providence so clearly as the Lord performs powerful miracles. Finally parting the Red Sea, allowing them to pass through and then destroying the following Egyptian army. Yet time passes and they begin to grumble. I'm hungry. God, you saved us only to let us die in the desert. I thought you had a plan. So God provides. He literally makes bread fall from heaven, manna. And he tells them what to do. Every day, go and get some bread. It won't keep overnight, except Friday night before the Sabbath. You don't need to gather on the Sabbath. And what do they do? The first day, they gather bread, and they save it overnight. Why? The instructions were too complex? No, they didn't trust God. They wanted to be independent. They wanted to be self-sufficient. They didn't want to have to rely on God and they doubted his providence in their lives. Of course, the bread spoiled. The second example that I want to look at is the widow of Zarephath. So we have a drought in the land, and there's the prophet Elijah, and he's hanging out with the ravens, which are feeding him. You know, it's a classic drought survival strategy, uh, befriending ravens. And he meets this widow, uh, and she only has enough bread and oil for one final meal for her and her son before they die from starvation. And Elijah asks her to share some with him, I guess the ravens are gone now, and tells her the jar of flour and jug of oil will not run out until the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And her response is a response of faith. She trusts Elijah and trusts God, and the Lord's providence sustains her. We see here two examples. We see the doubt of the Israelites, and we see the faith of the widow both of whom were called to trust in God each day. And it's easy for us to criticize the Israelites, but when we look at today's world and today's church, we see this disease, this anxiety, uh, this lack of faith in God's providence. How do we deal with this? Philippians 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 says, "'He who did not spare his own son, "'but gave him up for us all, "'how will he not with him graciously give us all things?' "'This is the attitude that we are to have, "'faith in God our provider, "'who loves to graciously give gifts to his children. "'This faith will drive us to pray, "'and prayer is the means by which God will meet our needs "'and sustain us each moment. And when we pray for something, we're less likely to abuse it. When we recognize that what we have is not a coincidence, our homes, our families, our finances, our work, but that these things are gifts from God, we're more likely to see them as instruments to glorify God with. Prayer sweetens the gift. Before we close, as a final application, I want to read a passage from further on in Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. So let us be encouraged, friends, to have faith in God, our giver, to seek him in prayer for all our needs, and to look to Christ as the bread of life, the only one who can satisfy our physical and spiritual hunger, both today and forevermore. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.